something you may or may not know about me, I run quite a bit. Uh, some seasons more than others, but pretty consistently for the last 10 years I've been running. And there's something about running that I absolutely hate. I know hate's a strong word, okay? And so um, I, we don't have time really, if I could just open it up and let y'all just guess the one thing about running that I hate. We don't have time for all of you to make guesses. So let me just tell you a couple things it's not. That it should be, but it's not. Uh, the first mile. Any runners in the house? Um, that first mile is the worst, right? So starting, like just getting out the door. That's not it, um, but maybe it, maybe it should be, maybe it could be. Um, it's also, and this, is, this comes as a surprise to people who don't run, and I don't want you to feel bad if you don't run. Non-runners, raise your hand. Yeah, so be proud, right? So um, I, I tell my family all the time, have you seen this, the, the decals on the backs of the cars that say 0.0? I'm like, if I was a non-runner, that would be on my car, right? So that's, a, that's an awesome, I love that. It's a great sticker. So don't feel bad if you're not a runner, but this will come as a shock to you, those of you that don't run. The one thing that I hate about running is also not actually the running. And most people that, are, that don't run, they're like, you like to run? Well, yeah, that's why I'm still doing it, right? So I'll let you chew on that for a little bit. Um, it's also not, and this is not my least favorite part of running. It could be Wendy's least favorite part of running. It's also not the nasty, sweat-drenched clothes. Um, I coached cross-country at Park Ridge for a number of years, and I, would, I wasn't the kind of coach that said, go run. I would run with them. And so they were always just, this is disgusting. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm just going to say it because so, it's in my head. But at the end of practice, after we'd run, like I could literally like wring my shirt out. And it was just like the sweat was just like, just anyway, it's, that's gross. That's nasty. But that's not even my least favorite part. My, my, the one thing that I hate about running actually doesn't even involve running. It's the stretching before and after the running, yeah. I knew I'd get a witness on that, right? Stretching is the part that I, and here's why. It feels like a waste of time. Like, if you do stretching right, you're supposed to do, like, before the workout stretching, and then you go work out, and then you do after workout stretching. But in all honesty, I run in the mornings. I go out the door. I don't want to waste time pre-workout stretching because the workout's going to do the stretching. I mean, this is how my mind works. So I just go run. And then when I get back from running, I got those sweat-drenched clothes. The last thing I want to do or that Wendy wants me to do is to sit on our floor and stretch. So it makes no sense to me. Like, I don't, I hate it, hate, hate. I know your pastor shouldn't say the word hate, but I cannot stand stretching. But here's what stretching does. It keeps the muscles flexible, strong, and healthy. It maintains a range of motion. And even worse than that, here's what happens if we don't stretch. The muscles actually shrink. And when muscles shrink, they pull on joints. And when joints get pulled on, we say, ow. That's the point of stretching, is it keeps the muscles flexible and long. It doesn't pull on the joints. It doesn't cause pain. So what I've learned about stretching is you're going to have pain if you stretch, and you're going to have pain if you don't. 
but different kinds of pain, right? Now, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 3. And listen, this is going to be kind of where, I don't know if you have an actual Bible or if you have a Bible app, but this is where we're going to kind of camp. So we're going to start the message here. We're going to end the message here. And then we're going to go to tons of verses in between, okay? So if you're a note taker, you want to just jot down some of these scripture references so you can, I'll read them to you, but you can read them later, okay, as well. So Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3, here's what we're going to find. Stretching isn't just physical, it's also spiritual. Now let me read it to you. It says this, Sing, barren woman, you who have never born a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now, just to be clear, this is a specific prophecy given to the nation of Israel because they were in captivity, and God was saying, you've been barren for a while, but I am going to restore glory to you. Okay, you got that? So way back in the day, the people that heard this the first time, that read this the first time, that was to them specifically. What is it to us It's a spiritual truth to us because we're a part of a kingdom that is always growing and always expanding. Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33, Jesus is talking. It says, he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, we're a part of a kingdom that's always growing When it grows, it becomes a tree, so the birds come and perch in its branches. And then verse 33, he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. It's always growing, and he's talking about yeast. It's always expanding. We're a part of that kingdom. So when he says to Israel in Isaiah 54, what he's saying to them is, hey, enlarge the place, stretch the tent because you haven't had kids, but you're fixing to have some kids. You've been in captivity, but you're going to be free. What he's saying to us is you're a part of a kingdom that's always growing, that's always expanding. Stretch the tent and make room. The original hearers, here's what they would have thought of when they heard this imagery. They would have immediately pictured what were nomadic tents. And the way they would set those up is they'd have nine poles, and they would make three rows of three poles, and then they would take the tent, and it would go over top of those poles, and they would put in the stakes in the ground. They would drop a curtain in the middle so that they would have two rooms. But they also knew if they wanted to, they could have a house expansion. And what they would do is they would take another set of three poles, and they would put it on one of those ends, But then they had to take the original tent and stretch it tight in order to make it cover those poles. And then they could have three rooms. So when they heard this, they immediately thought of that. Oh, stretch the tent. Pull it tight. That's 
what I want us to see, the point for us is this. God stretches us in order to increase our capacity. He stretches us in order to increase our capacity. So let's talk through how does God stretch us and then what happens when he does. So this is uh, not going to be an exhaustive list, but I found four areas that I believe God stretches people in the Bible, okay? Take lots of notes. Lots of verses are coming your way. You ready? Here's the first way. The first area that God stretches us is in obedience. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'll read. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, them being the religious leaders. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal this man on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. In obedience, what I want you to see is this man with the withered hand stretched it out before his hand was healed. Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. We are stretched in the area of obedience. Exodus chapter 14, verses 14 through 22. If you're reading through the Bible with us this year, you've already read this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Does God ever tell you that when you're praying to him? Why are you whining to me? Right? Why are you crying out to me right now? Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. I want you to get the picture that God's already given Moses a command to stretch out his hand. And now God is setting up what is going to be an epic moment, right? I mean, this is like all the pre-miracle drama. All the buildup. Like if God doesn't come through, Moses is going to look like an idiot. You with me? Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. He stretched it out over a sea that was not divided. He was stretched in his obedience to God. And he stretched his hand out And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The first way that we are stretched is in the area of our obedience. Second way, pretty closely related to obedience, right, is in faith. We're stretched in the area of faith. In Joshua chapter 3, we find another crossing of a body of water. Joshua says in verse 8, Joshua 3, verse 8, tell the priest, God says, tell the priest 
who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. We need to make sure we understand this. Normally, the Jordan River could be up to 100 feet wide. It might be 3 to 10 feet deep. Now, at some places, it would be a little closer. You might have seen pictures of the Jordan River where John the Baptist would do a lot of baptizing, and that wasn't usually 100 feet wide, but at places, it could be up to 100 feet wide. But this was not just a normal time. We just read it. This was during the flood stage, and here's what that means. In that area at that time, they would have two big rainy seasons a year. They'd have a winter rain, and they'd have a spring rain called the early rain and the latter rain. And the latter rain was always stronger, and that's the one that they were crossing in. So the Jordan would go from like just this river to this river. And I want to make sure you get this picture. So I think we've got a video that we can show really quickly. This is the Jordan River at flood stage. So I want you to, as you're watching it, I want you to think about again what the command of of God was. When you reach the edge of that water, go and stand in the river. Not by the river, not observe the river, but go in that river. It stretched them in the area of faith. Did it not? It would stretch me. Verse 16. Verse 15, I'm sorry, it's at flood stage. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, that water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zorathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arubah. That is, the Dead Sea was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. What I want you to see is that the men carrying the ark stepped into the water before It parted. God stretches us in the area of our faith. Isaiah 43, 2. Thinking about those waters again. Listen to this promise from God. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Everybody say one word with me. Say when. That verse didn't say if you pass through waters, if you go through rivers, if you go through fire. It said when, when, and when. We will go through those moments, and they will stretch us to have faith in God. What I love about that verse and looking back over these two stories that we just read is that God is with us in the raging rivers, but guess who isn't? Our enemy. Because the very thing that God's using to stretch our faith, he's using as a weapon against our enemy. Third way that we get stretched is stewardship. Everybody say, oh, no. (laughs) Stewardship. Man, the way that we give, the way that we use our resources, that stretches us. Does it not? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. You knew I was going to read this one. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, 
says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Listen, the word he's giving follows a very strong word to his people where he said, you're stealing from me. And they're like, how are we stealing from you? And he's like, in your ties. So I want to ask you this question rhetorically, right? Would it stretch you in your stewardship to go from thieves to tithers? I would say yes. He didn't come to them and say, now listen, I know you've been robbing from me. And so like 10% is going to be a little much. Let's work out an arrangement. Let's go 1.5% for a season. We'll work it up to 3, and we'll make a big jump up to 6, and we'll eventually get to 10. I mean, I, I get that sometimes pastors want to say that because like, our hearts are just tender. We don't, we don't, we don't like, do this to people. But God didn't do that. He talked to his people and said, you're stealing from me. You're giving me nothing. So bring the whole tithe, right? Now, I don't know how you would be if you heard that, but for me, that would stretch me. He's always going to stretch us in the area of our stewardship. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. I looked up that word honor in Hebrew, and it's kavod. And here's what kavod means in the Hebrew. It means heavy. It means weighty. So it can be used in a bad sense and in a good sense, okay? So if it's used in a bad sense, it's like burdensome. Like, oh, man, that's so heavy right? But in a good sense, you know what it means? It means rich, generous. I think what we can agree on is that when he says honor the Lord with your wealth, we're not like throwing a couple dollars at God. Like, well, God, I've got got 40 hours I could give you, but I'm going to give you like 30 minutes, right? He's saying whatever we would give would be so heavy that we would probably feel it. And again, I don't know how you hear those kind of words, but for me, that stretches me in the area of my stewardship. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, he's talking about the Macedonians. He's talking about this grace of giving. And it says in there, here's, here's how he describes it, that they gave and even beyond their capacity to give. Stretching, God stretches us to increase our capacity. Here's the fourth way that he stretches us. Love. Oh, everybody say that involves people. Do you feel the stretch already, right? Just knowing that, like, oh, I, like, if, I just, if I'm loving my dog, I'm good, right? Cats are borderline, right? I mean, cats are cool. If you're, if you're a cat person, that's cool. But cats are a little bit selfish, right? Like, but, love, like, but people, loving people, oh, that, that'll stretch you. He stretches us in the air of love. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the best sermon ever preached. He said this, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you feel the stretch right there? He was like, just love people that love you? That's not going to show my love because I'm going to love you to the cross while you're hating me and killing me. So love even your enemies. And it's like, ooh, stretch, right? That, you're, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus wants to stretch us in our capacity to love. And so he says, love the ones who don't love you. That will stretch us for sure. One last thought, and then we'll move on. Um, God can use a lot of things to stretch us, right? Those four areas that we just talked about, he can use a lot of um, instruments to stretch us. You know, he's going to use the word for sure. I want to make sure you get that. Like all those scriptures we just read, his word should stretch us every time we read it. But the two areas that I've seen, the two ways that he stretches me and probably a lot of you, the two most common areas, just if we're being practical about real life so you'll be prepared for tomorrow, is in relationships and in circumstances. Those are the two things he seems to use the most in my life to stretch me in those areas. He's going to call you to love people, relationships, who you don't want to love. He's going to ask you to give to a situation, a circumstance, when you don't want to give. This is what he does, right? You're going to face a circumstance that you're like, I don't see any way through that. And it's going to stretch us in our faith. He's calling us in those areas, in our relationships, in our circumstances. He's stretching us. So let's talk about what happens when God stretches us. It's good to know that we'll be stretched. It's good to know how we're stretched. But we've got to figure out what happens when we're stretched. How many of you... Um, how many of you would be really good horses? Like you would, if like there was a carrot dangling in front of you, you're like, I want that carrot, so I'll do just about anything to get the carrot, right? Like sometimes it's good to see the reward before we start doing the work, right? If I knew that stretching before and after every single run would help me qualify for the Boston Marathon, if I knew for a fact that that would happen, I'd probably stretch more. See what I'm saying? Not because I like stretching, but because I really want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And if I knew that would help me, I would put up with all that for what I really want. This is not something that like psychologists do for humans because we're weak. This is even a biblical principle. It says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You know what the joy was, right? You're probably sitting next to the joy right now. People, us, glorifying his father. That was the joy set before Jesus. And so for that joy, he endured and so for the joy set before us that we're going to talk about right now, the way what happens when God stretches us, this is why we're like, I don't like, the, I don't like stretching, but stretch me, okay? Uh, anyway, I felt like that made sense. We'll see. So God stretches us in order to increase our capacity, and this is how it plays out. Two ways, two benefits of being stretched. Number one, stretching increases our receiving capacity. Psalm 81.10. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. All the stories we just read about, God's saying, hey, 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 that's me. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. And the next thing he says is open wide your mouth and I will fill it. What I want you to see is that stretching opens us wide to receive good things from God. It increases our receiving capacity. Um, little insight into how pastors' minds work. Every pastor has one phrase that they hate to hear. Are you ready for it? I'm scared to even tell you. I don't know if I'm supposed to. It might be a trade secret, but I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Every pastor hates to hear, and don't feel bad if you've ever said these words to a pastor. 
It's just, I get, I get why we say it. I'm going to explain it to you in a second. Every pastor hates to hear these words. Pastor, we're not getting fed. Pastors don't hate to hear that because they get angry. They hate to hear that because it's like, that's my job. Like, I'm supposed to feed you, right? I mean, I'm also supposed to equip you to learn how to cook a meal, right, and feed yourself. But, like, you come to church, I'm supposed to feed you. And so, like, when we hear that, usually, I'm just, usually what happens is if we hear that, it comes the exact same day that somebody else walks up and goes, that was the best message I've ever heard. And so our Sunday afternoons, we go home, and here's, here's what my Sunday afternoons looks like before the Lord. I am so confused. <laughs> I don't even know what to do, right? Like, I, I, one hates, one loves. Like, I don't get it. So let me explain it for you. It's not hard to understand. It's the difference between a juice glass and a big gulp. Because if you come to the Lord with this much capacity, it doesn't matter how much stuff gets poured out. This is all you're going to get. But if you have a big gulp capacity, you're going to get fed. And God stretches us to increase our receiving capacity. He says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Can I give you a secret? He'll fill it even if you open it like this. But you'll keep looking around at other people who were like this. And you'll be like, why don't I get as much as they do? Uh, I got an answer. Open wide your mouth. Open it wide. And he will fill it. So stretching increases our receiving capacity. It's good to receive. But how many of you know that God doesn't just want to fill us up? He also wants to spill us out. Right? So. Um, let's go full circle back to Isaiah 54. Let's throw that back on the screen. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3. Let's read through this one more time. Sing, barren woman, you who have never born a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Listen, that is the promise. It's the reality. He says, look, I see where you are, and I see that you have no children. But the day is going to come when it's going to be better to be you than to be the person who has a husband because I'm going to give you more. You hear the promise? I'm going to give you more. And so what does he say in verse 2? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch. Your tent curtains wide. Pull them tight. Strengthen the cords. Strengthen the stakes. So you can have the biggest family on the planet. All of them will stay with you. They'll never leave. They're going to grow up and have kids and live with you. You're going to try to send them out and they're going to stay with you. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we get to that. We're like, I will open wide my mouth, and you will fill me and fill me and fill me and fill me, and we'll be the biggest church ever. But then we get to verse 3. 
Why did he want to stretch them? For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants, everybody say, those are my kids, will dispossess nations. Dispossess means take their nations. And they will settle in their desolate cities. Listen, stretching increases our receiving capacity, but stretching also increases our sending capacity. That's the reason he wants to stretch us, because he wants to give us a lot of souls so we can launch them into a world that needs him. Stretching increases our sending capacity. I need some help. <laughs> You're like, well, we knew that. Actual help. Um, can, I, can I just... Nehemiah, do you mind? Do you mind helping? I mean, I hate to call on people. Uh, should we just do the volunteer? Chase, do you mind? You, you'd be great if you could help me too. I just y'all too would come if you come up on the platform. That'd be fantastic. Um, here, let's uh, let's make some room here if we can. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so um, good job. Give him a hand. They did great, didn't they? Wow. I asked for two, and the Lord has given us so much more. He has increased our capacity to receive. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I have something in this bag that um, I, I just I love. I love. I love what's in here. Um, does anybody know what this is? <laughs> Catherine? No. This is a balloon launcher. Y'all, balloon launchers are the best things ever made. I love balloon launchers. Um, I have used balloon launchers for many, many years at youth camp. Oh, there are so many middle schoolers that are dead in heaven today because of me. I love balloon launchers. And I, can y'all help me for a second? Do you mind? So you'll grab one of those handles, perfect, and you'll grab the other handle. And if y'all just like, step there on the edge, that'd be fantastic. Now, um, what I want you to see is that um, stretching, we know, it in, we know that it increases our receiving capacity. So we're going to be filled with the Lord. And I wanted to find a way to do this with a water balloon. But I just couldn't like, fill the water balloon. But I knew somehow something in here is going to get messed up or someone's going to die. So we're not going to do that. But the way these work is if you'll just kind of, yeah, you're doing great. If you'll just face that way, good. So you would put the balloon here and then you would pull it back back to launch the balloon, right? So what I want you to see is that stretching increases our sending capacity. You with me? As a matter of fact, check this out. If we wanted, and we don't want to, but if we wanted to hit Stephanie in the, in the second row, hey, Stephanie, we would, you would want to put your arms out a little bit. We want to aim it at Stephanie. Put your arms down just a tad. Perfect. And I would pull this back at Stephanie. And if I were to let go of this, what would you probably do if there was a balloon in it? Yeah, she would probably duck because she wants it to hit Renee. Right? <laughs> I think that loving your enemies thing, that might be something. So um, the point is, why would she do that? If I just did this, would you duck? Because she knows that the further back it gets stretched, the harder and further it's going to get launched. Thanks. The point here. 
is that the very things in our lives that cause us pain, that hurt us when they happen, God uses those to stretch us just to the breaking point. And that's where your breakthrough comes because he releases you. And the further he stretches you back, the further he launches you out. Stretching's hard, y'all. I don't know that we'll ever like it. But it's the way that God gets us where he wants to get us. It's the way that he gets us from here to there. I still hate to stretch. And what I've learned in my life is that sometimes we, we buy the lie that um, if it's spiritual, it's not going to be bad. You know, like, well, yeah, I know you hate stretching physically, but when you love the Lord, brother, you'll love spiritual stretching. Yeah, I beg to differ with you on that one, right? I just want you to hear me say as your pastor, I don't think you're ever going to enjoy being stretched, physically or spiritually. But the payoff the payoff is that it increases our receiving capacity. He can fill us with his goodness. And then when we're full of that goodness, he launches us with all of that goodness to wherever in the world he wants us to go. And sometimes being launched into the world doesn't even mean leaving your city. Sometimes it just means seeing the way you are where you work a little differently. Seeing your relationship with your family a little differently. God, that's why you're stretching me. That's why it hurts, because you're preparing me so you can launch me.